Um, so I was at my, actually this week, this past week, I've been, um, I was hanging out with my mum at her house. And, uh, and she was telling me um, this story um, of a friend of hers who um, basically had given her this plant as a gift. And, uh, and she had received this plant, and it was, a, it was a sort of, you know, expensive, fairly sort of extravagant gift of this plant. But it, has, it wasn't flowered, so it was just a plant. My mum needed to water it, she needed to look after it, feed it. And it came with this sort of, like, manual, you know, to sort of look after this plant. And, it cut, and this, this, this flower was supposed to come out in spring. Uh, so my mom received this, and it's all great, you know. And, uh, and so sure enough, she watered it, and she fed it, and did all that you were supposed to do with this plant. And, uh, and the spring came, and no flower. You know, this, nothing changed. This, there's no flower on this plant. Anyway, so she was like, actually, she was telling me that her friend called her and said, oh, so what's the flower like? You know, what's it like? You know, and my mom's like, um, well, I've done what I'm supposed to do, but there's still no flower. Maybe it's because it's the first season, you know, it's the first spring. Let's wait another year and perhaps it will come out, you know, next time. Anyway, so sure enough for the year, she's watering it and looking after it and all the rest of it. And then spring comes, no flower. You know, this flower just isn't uh, coming. And again, the friend is like, so spring, you know, what's the flower like? You know, this, extra, this wonderful flower. And still no flower. Anyway, my mom was sort of like, you know, oh, what am I going to do? I just have to, you know, let's just crack on. Anyway, she was telling me that this friend was coming to visit her in, the, in her house. And, uh, and she, my mom was telling me that she was getting a bit panicked because she was like, oh, my goodness, they're going to like, she's going to want to look at this flower and there's no flower. Um, anyway, so what she did before she arrived, she basically took this plant pot and put it in her greenhouse. And, you know, and the greenhouse isn't this, you know, place where she grows lots of plants. It's actually sort of falling down a fair bit. So she just chucked it in there to hide it from her friend. Um, anyway, her friend came for the weekend and didn't talk about it, you know, sort of a bit of a distant memory, and, uh, and they just cracked on. And then my mum just completely ignored this plant. Um, and, uh, and she was telling me what was interesting is that weeks later, she was walking past the greenhouse. And uh, she walked past the greenhouse, and at the corner of her eye, she looked, and in this plant pot was the most beautiful flower that she had done absolutely nothing with. And my mum and I were, were sort of commenting on how much this plant had flourished. And we were saying, isn't it amazing the difference being in the right environment can make? You know, this plant needed the environment of the greenhouse to flourish. Now, we're in a series at the moment, uh, as we talked about last week and George just now, is uh, we're talking about what it looks like to stay put, what it looks like to be a dependent people, completely dependent upon God in all areas of our lives. You know, he is wanting, I believe, to raise up a people who depend on him who are surrendered to his will and way and what he is doing. Not a lukewarm people, but a people totally given over to him. And we have been looking at this then. So what does it actually look like to be dependent people? And we looked, about, we looked at what it looked like to be dependent in prayer. We've looked, about, looked at what it looks like to be dependent in decisions. And last week, we looked about what it looks like to be dependent on God as we share our faith and demonstrate and proclaim the gospel. 
And we read out Galatians 5 uh, last week as well. And we were saying and suggesting the impact this has on mission. As we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we are therefore intrinsically missional. We carry a hope as we share the character of Jesus to those around us. And people are able to see the fruit of Jesus in our lives, which therefore reveals the person of Jesus to them. And so we just wanted to camp out a little bit more in Galatians 5. We weren't able to really unpack it last week. Um, And we're going to be asking the question, how? How then do we grow this fruit in our lives? How do we depend on God as he forms us, as he forms us and produces this fruit within us? How do we depend on God in this? So firstly... What we need to understand is that that one of the key works of the Spirit is to transform us. A key work of the Spirit is to transform us. In fact, the list that we um, just read out is a description of what happens to us when we are being transformed by God. The Spirit is working in us. It's working in us to bear fruit, to become mature in Christ. And Paul actually starts this section, as George read in verse 13, declaring, he says, that you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, reminding them from the off of their identity in Christ and what Jesus has done. You know, through Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, we have entered a new humanity. We have been reborn We carry the power of God within us that enables us to live in a new way that is no longer a slave to sin. In other words, we're no longer um, bound. You know, we're not captured by the power of sin, things that oppose God in our lives. And this is all out, it's just sheer love. You know, this is a demonstration of love and it's pure gift what Jesus has done for us. You know, the Spirit is leading and guiding us towards life. That is what he is doing within us. He is leading us towards life. In Romans 12, Paul writes to the church in Rome, arguing this point, and he uses this language. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as followers of Jesus, the goal of Christian life is to flower. It's to grow, to become more human as we follow Christ and become more like him. In 1 Corinthians, another letter that Paul wrote uh, to the church in Corinth, he he uses language um, like infants, that he's saying to the church that you're, rema- you're infants, you're still infants, you're still worldly. He uses that language. He uses the language of not growing up, not maturing. You know, God wants us to mature. He wants, he doesn't want to get us, we don't want to stay, get stuck. He wants us to mature to more life, more humanity. And we need to ask the question, you know, if we are not growing into Christ's likeness, we need to have a bit of a self-check, you know, a bit of a wake-up call. Am I becoming more like Christ? Am I exhibiting this fruit in my life? 
We need to ask the question, are we walking in step with the Spirit? You know, the vision of growth in Galatians 5 is about flowering, you know, into fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of Jesus' character. You know, and fruit is a very important metaphor because what it shows us, it's, it's a window into this process. It's a way to show how this transformation takes place in our lives. And, you know, going back to the story I shared about my mom's plant, you know, she did all the right stuff, all the right stuff, followed all the right instructions, followed the manual. You know, however, however, the plant needed to be in the right environment in order for it to grow. This aspect of the plant's ability to grow was completely and utterly outside of my mom's control. She could not make the flower grow, although she wanted to. She could not make the flower grow. Only the right environment, in this case, the greenhouse, produced the growth of the flower. And for us as Christians, this environment, you know, this environment, the garden that produces fruit, is in the presence of Jesus. It's in the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's therefore God that produces the fruit, not us. God produces the fruit, not us. It is the Holy Spirit that forms us. You know, no amount of striving, no amount of self-help or good practice or, the, or goodwill can produce this fruit. Only God can produce this within us. And, you know, so we as Christians, you know, we are filled we're filled with his life-giving spirit that is transforming us from the inside out. And we as Christians are, being, are becoming, we hope, fruitful. You know, it's his power within us that transforms us, not our own strength. Our characters are being changed. We are now invited into a life free from bondage of sin, free from fear, insecurity, doubt, habitual ways of thinking, acting. You know, this is such beautiful and great, great news. That is pure gift. We don't deserve any of this. This is pure gift from a loving God who wants to see his people free. That is the good news that we carry. However, we all know, don't we, that it isn't simple. You know, we know it's not a switch. We know it's not a magic trick that we go to bed one day, you know, we go to bed and the next day we wake up and we're spilling, you know, with the fruit of the Spirit. It can sometimes feel, can't it, like we are battling with the same stuff over and over again. You know, so often I have moments in my life where I'm feeling so patient, you know, I'm like, oh, I've nailed this patient thing, you know, I'm like feeling really patient. And then honestly, in the next moment, I'm stressed because something's happened. You know, I need to get out the door for the kids to go to school. So I'm like, get out. Come on, guys. Get your shoes. Get your this. Get your bag. You know, and the impatience within me is there. You know, when a moment before I was like, oh, you know, I'm feeling pretty patient. Or I'm shouting at them to go to sleep. You know, just go to sleep. You know. And, you know, we might battle with the same occurring issues as well. Another layer it feels sometimes of the same issue coming up that you thought you dealt with. 
You know, for me, this can be around fear of man, you know, seeking approval from places that are not God. It's like I conquer a layer, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm pretty free in this area. And then I'm confronted with another layer, you know, another way this plays out in my life. You know, this is complicated. This is a journey with him. You know, although some fruit is produced quickly, you know, and, and, and breakthrough can happen immediately. I, have, I can testify to that in my life, you know, that God is a miracle worker and he can bring fruit like that if he wants to. He can do whatever he wants, you know, but so often it is more like a slow and complicated process, isn't it? And this slow and complicated process, I argue, demands dependence upon God. It demands our dependence upon him. And Paul identifies this battle in verse 17. He writes this, he says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. You know, Paul is stating the tension that we are in, that you are in, I am in. And, you know, we must acknowledge this tension to be a dependent people. You know, Jesus has come. Thank Jesus he has come. You know, and he has broken in to the mess, hasn't he? He's broken in to our humanity, to the flesh, to our sinful nature, to our sinful desires that had control over us, that had complete control over us. And in his kindness, in his grace, in his mercy, in his death, his life, death, and resurrection, he has overcome its power that has and once kept us captive. You know, this is good news. This is the best news that you will ever hear. You know, but we live in this tension, don't we? Because until Jesus comes again, which he is, that is the hope that we carry every day of our lives, that Jesus is going to come and he's going to redeem it all once and for all, you know? But until then, we continue to live in the tension. We live in this conflict that Paul is talking about. We live in this tension. We live in bodies that are not fully redeemed, tendencies, ways of thinking, selfish attitudes. This is the flesh. This is the conflict, the sinful nature. Yet we as Christians have access because of Jesus' death and resurrection to the Holy Spirit, to his Holy Spirit who lives within us, that when we stay walking with him in step with him, dependent upon him, he then, not us, he then produces kingdom fruit within us. And so we don't grow, as I said, we don't grow this fruit ourselves. Yet we can learn from this passage that, that Paul clearly teaches us that we do have a part to play. It's a partnership with God. We have a part to play in, bringing, in God's desire to bring about transformation and formation in our lives. And there are three things I just want to pick out from this passage. Firstly, <clears throat> we are to become aware of the battle we are in. I don't have slides. I'm really sorry. Next time I'll have slides. We become aware of the battle we are in. 
The tension that I've just explained, you know, we acknowledge this tension. We must acknowledge this tension, the fleshly desires we all carry, the temptation that is all around us, constantly, constantly knocking at our mind and our heart and our eyes and our heart. You know, it's like we can't get away from these temptations all around us. We've got to become aware. We need to acknowledge this and, you know, simply our desire, you know, our desire that's pulling us to, to hurt ourselves and to hurt others. You know, that's, that's in us. That's in us. And this, therefore, I believe, creates dependence and a realization of our need for Jesus. Every part of it, every part of our lives, all the time. You know, this isn't one hit, you know. It's like, give me the fruits of the Spirit. Yay! Fruit, you know, I'm redeemed, I'm restored, I'm, you know, all the other things. It's a journey, isn't it? It's a journey of dependence. It keeps us close. We need him. This is why Jesus is here. That's why his spirit is here. Because we get to walk with him. We get to be close with him. You know, this is, Jesus came to redeem. He came to redeem and lead us away from the grip of the enemy. You know, this isn't some moral teaching for moral sake. He wants to lead us away from the things that are keeping us, destructing us, that are causing death over us. We need to know that, that Jesus wants to lead us to life, to greater humanity. And you know, Jesus isn't surprised. You know, he's not surprised at all of the tension that we are in. He isn't surprised. So to be dependent Upon him is to be aware of this reality and the good news of the gospel. And this creates a gratitude, a worshipful heart, a, a gratitude of everything that Jesus has done for us. That he's redeeming us. And Paul writes at the end of verse 17, it says that you are not to do what you want. You know, we need to acknowledge that we need help to make the right choices in our lives. We can't do it alone. Thank God. God, his spirit is with us because we can't do it alone. Everything is in us wants to pull us back to the sinful nature. Yet the spirit within us is leading us into life. And I just believe that if we don't firstly acknowledge the tension, we fall so quickly. If you're anything like me, we fall so quickly into despair. We fall into guilt you know, we fall into condemnation and shame. It's like, oh, I messed up again. You know, oh, I can't do it. This is too hard. We, we can fall into despair, but we need to acknowledge the tension that we're in that Jesus knows about. Okay, secondly, verse 24, we crucify the flesh, as Paul writes. You know, as we've seen, you know, we don't produce the fruits Yet we do play a role. We play a role in how much of our lives we allow the Spirit to have. It is a partnership. You know, in Ephesians 30, Paul speaks about us having been um, sealed. He used the language of being sealed by the Spirit when we give our lives to Jesus. When we say yes to Jesus and say, you have my life, Jesus, we're sealed by the Spirit. Nothing, no one is going to take us away, that away from us. You know, that is wonderful news. However, he goes on to say that we can, though, grieve the Spirit's work. You know, we can grieve his, his Spirit, the work he wants to do in our lives. 
He isn't, Jesus isn't going to force us. You know, he doesn't click our fingers and it's a magic trick and we're transformed. You know, but he invites us into this transformation. He invites us into this formation process. And so the questions I ask myself and I, I encourage us to ask this morning is, how much influence does the Spirit have in my life, in your life? I've just lost my place, as you do. I'm on a roll, and I'm losing my voice. Hang on. Um, So that's the the first question. And I've lost the second one. Um... Second question, how much are you relying upon him to lead and to guide? And are we able to identify areas in our life that he is working within? You know, are we able to identify the areas that he is wanting to change and transform within us? Can we identify that right now? If not, let's ask him. And I find it really helpful uh, when I'm thinking about this whole area to think of uh, uh, gardening, you know, thinking of the image of gardening as an example. If you want to grow flowers, you need to provide an environment where it can grow, even though the actual growth is completely out of your control. You know, you need to produce an environment where fruit can grow. You know, the gardener isn't making the fruit or flowers, but it is cultivating a place where it can grow. You know, you, I am no gardener, I have to admit, um, but I imagine if you want to grow flowers or seeds or whatever it is that you want to grow, you need to get rid, you know, you need to kill or crucify, for, for the links with this, the weeds around the plant. And I, this is what Paul is talking about. In Jesus, the flesh has been crucified. Let's not go back to this yoke of slavery, as Paul writes again in Galatians 5.1. We ask God, you know, we ask God to help us identify the weeds in our lives. The things in our lives that are destroying life. What are the things in in your life that are destroying the life around you? Areas in our lives that are not in line with his spirit. And Paul has articulated a pretty uh, decent list here. You know, George read sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. You know, he's made a pretty clear list, but what are the weeds in your life? For some, you know, it might be that they're a little bit more subtle, Perhaps it's gossip. Perhaps you always find yourself being pulled into gossipy conversations. Perhaps it's speaking badly of people behind their back when they're not in the room. You know, perhaps it's blaming other people for your life and not taking responsibility. You know, we need to identify these weeds and then we bring them to Jesus to allow him to form them within us. We acknowledge the weeds, but only he can transform them. He meets us there. He meets us there. He's so kind. He meets us in our yuck and our mess. He meets us there, and he takes us on a journey that leads to life, because that's where he's going. That's where he is guiding us. And so search our hearts, Lord. 
and get help to identify the weeds in your life. Get honest with trusted friends. Speak about the stuff that's holding you back, that's in darkness, that isn't in the light. Get real and honest because the Holy Spirit wants to come and transform those parts of your life. Okay, thirdly, verse 25, we keep in step. I'm coming into land. So we remember that he is leading us into life. Like I said before, you know, this isn't a moral living, you know, but a true humanity. This is true humanity that he wants to lead us into. We bring our lives to him, our struggles, and then we surrender to his process, how he wants to bring about this fruit in our lives. Not our way, but his way. We keep in step as we learn then to be attentive to his leading. We trust that he's heard our prayers and his spirit is um, working to bring about fruit. So, you know, where might he be nudging us today? Where might he be nudging us to take a step with him today? You know, for example, you know, you might, you might be here and you might pray. You know, you might be saying, Jesus, I am... I'm so angry. You know, I have bursts of rage often. You know, I'm stuck in this pattern of rage and anger. And what you're doing there is you're acknowledging, you're acknowledging your need of him. You're acknowledging before God and others where, he, where you want him to transform this area of your life. And then, as Paul says, we then keep in step with him and his process of formation how he wants to bring about that change. The process is up to him as we keep in step. We depend upon him in the process. I think sometimes we think the process of transformation should look a certain way. I certainly do sometimes. You know, we ask for his help. You're like, Lord, please, you know, help me in this area. I want to grow in this area. But we get cross, don't we, when it isn't resolved in the way we want Perhaps it's not as easy as we thought it would be. Perhaps it's not as quick as we want it to be. And, you know, keeping in steps means we trust in his process, whatever the journey looks like. And I, uh, I actually go running. I've, like, taken up running in the last uh, year. And, uh, and I often run with my children. You know, I'll run, and they'll be on their bikes, and we'll go for a little run. I don't run any more than 5K, by the way. Uh, so that's all I do. But they jump on their bikes, and we then, um, we then go for a run. Anyway, one day, my daughter wanted to come with me, and she was on her bike, and, uh, and she, her, she was saying, oh, wh- where are we going to go? What's the route today? And, uh, and I said to her, oh, I fancy this route, and this particular route, uh, it took us over Trent Bridge. And, uh, and my daughter has a little, she's, she's quite afraid of bridges and, and water. And, you know, she's like, it's quite a low bridge. And she was like, oh, please, you know, I don't want to you know, go um, on that. Let's go a different route. Let's go a different route. And, uh, and in that moment, I said to her, I was like, do you, do you want to be afraid of bridges? Do you want to be afraid of bridges? And she was like, no, I don't. I really don't want to be afraid of bridges. And I said, okay, well, trust me. Just trust me. And so she jumped on her bike, and we ran to the bridge. And sure enough, when we got to the bridge, you know, she, uh, <laughs> she basically got to the bridge, dumped her bike, and pegged it across the bridge. I mean, I have honestly never seen her run so fast. 
And, uh, and so I was then running behind with this bike, you know, trying to get to the other side. And we got to the other side. Um, and then she jumped on her bike and she did it. And she was so proud of herself. She was like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm so brave. You know, I faced it. I faced the fear, you know, and I did it. And anyway, we carried on going home. And, uh, and anyway, and so she's come with me multiple times after that. And we've gone that route. And she rides her bike over the, over the bridge, you know, it's fine, you know, just going to ride over the bridge, no problem, no problem. And actually, uh, more recently, we, we laugh about that moment, you know, we laugh at the moment where she dumped her bike and pegged it. And it's become quite an intimate moment of remembering what, um, how brave she was and how she conquered that fear. And I was reminded of that this week because I think God is so often like that with us. You know, his work within us will involve facing stuff that is scary. It will involve facing stuff that is scary. But it's our choice. This is our part. Our part is to trust him. Our part is to trust him. Will we allow him to do the work he wants to do within us? Do we trust he's good? Do we trust that he's kind and that he wants the best for us? You know, in my early 20s, I uh, was praying. I just I had the moment where I really sort of accepted Jesus. And, uh, and I was praying, you know, I was like asking God that he would help me to not fear people. You know, I wanted to be obedient for God. You know, I wanted to be bold for him. It's like, Lord, you know, help me. Take away the distraction of caring what other people think, you know. Um, and after I began to pray that prayer, I mean, it is a lifelong prayer that I am still constantly praying. Um, but, but after I prayed that prayer, not long after, I actually got a job um, in recruitment. I was working in IT recruitment, which is quite hilarious. I say it all the time because it makes me laugh because I don't know anything about IT. Um, and, uh, and in this particular job, I was sat opposite um, this guy. And, uh, and he honestly, he really bullied me. You know, I sat opposite him at the desk, and he bullied me. You know, he undermined everything that I said all the time. Everything that, you know, any work that I did, he was constantly undermining me. And I would do my real best, you know, to please him. You know, I'd be like, if I please him enough, maybe he'll be kind, you know. And I would manage myself around him to protect myself ultimately from his unkindness. Until one day, you know, something within me, he... He did something, and I directly objected to what he said about me. You know, I stood up to it. And I would never have done that before. I would never have done that before. But in that moment, I stopped pleasing him. I stopped pleasing him. And in that moment, something broke within me. I no longer lived under the fear of who cares what he thinks, you know. I didn't live under that fear anymore. He didn't change. His ways didn't change, but I did. I did. And, you know, this has happened numerous times for me. As I've prayed that prayer, you know, Lord, take away fear of man. Help me serve you only. Let me know your approval. He's brought people into my life time and time again. He's placed me in situations where he nudges me. Go on, speak up for yourself. Confront, you know. Don't please this person, and this is hard. Yet facing the fear is often how he transforms us, and that's how he's transformed me. As I've listened, as I've walked in step and gone with the nudges that he is guiding me into as he breaks the fear all around us, you know. 
And so keeping in step also looks like asking for his help in the moments of our temptation. You know, we need to start praying in the mess. Praying in the mess. He's not afraid of the mess. Pray for help of his spirit in the temptation, in the mess. Keeping in in step involves also trusting that he has a greater purpose for our lives. You know, he sees the full picture. We don't need to control or strive. We trust and keep attentive to his guidance. You know, I've been in uh, situations, so many situations and jobs over my life that have made absolutely no sense to what I think, you know, the end goal is. And yet when I look back, when I look back, he has done formation within me. He has not only formed my character in those moments, but he's formed gifts. He's shown me stuff that he's put in me, and he forms us and transforms us in those seasons. You know, he is so utterly faithful. And I look back and I see the faithfulness, his hand over my life as I've stepped and stayed in step with his spirit. And that is all I'm saying this morning. That there is an invitation to stay in step with him because he's trustworthy. He's so trustworthy and he's so faithful and he knows your life way beyond what you know. You know, he knows it all. And we need to choose to live by the Spirit. Acknowledge his presence. Acknowledge the presence of Jesus in everything, in all areas of our lives. We walk with him, we talk to him, And we let him shape our lives. He directs us into a greater humanity. So let's pray. Why don't you stand? And I'm going to pray for us. Joanne, would you mind coming as well? And you know, there's, like always, you know, there's a lot, there's words there, aren't there? But I just really trust that the Holy Spirit is speaking um, through that. So why don't you stand?